This is episode number 125 with Dana James. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? This week's podcast is brought to you by Organifi, which is a superior organic, all-natural, vegan superfood blend, refined and clinically tested and time-proven. Now, as most of you know, I travel a lot, but my health is one of my top priorities and something I'm so passionate about and will never skimp on, which is why when I travel, I carry my little Organifi green juice sachets with me. So no matter where I am in the world, I can always start my day with delicious, alkalizing, nourishing greens, which is great because no matter what happens after that, at least I've started my day loaded with green goodness. And the amazing thing about Organifi is they don't just do greens. They have red juice, golden turmeric blends, yum-o, clean protein powders, probiotic blends, and so much more. Now, I first tried these yummy greens last year when we were doing service work with the Syrian refugees in Greece because Mike Sherbakov, who has been on this show, whipped out his little green sachets every morning. And a few days in, I asked if I could try one and I was hooked. Not only is it super delicious, but I felt amazing and was buzzing with energy. And so I have a special offer for you. If you want to get 20% off anything store-wide, all you have to do is head to OrganifiShop.com and that's spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com. Don't worry, I'll link to it in the show notes just in case you're driving and type MA Tribe at the checkout and you will get 20% off everything in your cart. How epic is that? Dana James received her Master's of Science in Medical Nutrition from Columbia University. She is a board-certified nutritionist, functional medicine practitioner, and cognitive behavioral therapist. She specializes in weight loss, women's hormonal health, mood disorders, and destigmatizing shame from childhood experiences. She is a trusted nutrition and self-worth expert for media outlets like The New York Times, Elle, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, and Mind Body Green. And she is the author of The Archetype Diet, Reclaim Your Self-Worth and Change the Shape of Your Body, which is out right now. And in today's episode, we chat about her story from finances to chakras, functional medicine, nutrition, and cognitive therapy. What is an archetype? What are the four archetypes for females? How and why she created the archetype diet? how to discover your archetype, how the four archetypes compare to the Ayurvedic doshas, the best foods for each archetype, 
how to know if you have adrenal fatigue, the surprising thing she attributes her success to, I loved this, why your breath could be the missing piece to your health puzzle, why breathing and lifestyle are so important in order to thrive, what is rolfing and why you want to give it a go, plus so much more. I loved this conversation so much and I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 125. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this comes from Zesty Jude. And she says, quite simply and honestly, an amazing, life-changing and soul-inspiring series of truth bombs, along with massive educational and insightful speakers. I never thought I could get so much information and direction from one place or person. I look forward to each and every podcast and always write down my biggest takeaways, which inevitably become a way of life and my own personal mantras, life essentials. Thank you so much, Zesty Jude. I'm so grateful. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. And without further ado, let's bring on the super goddess, Dana James. Dana, welcome. It is so great to have you on the show. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oh my goodness. (laughs) I would clearly get caught on a day that I was in a rush. Um, I'm so embarrassed to say this. (laughs) Uh, I ended up with half a green juice and some little Japanese rice crackers. I've I've turned bright red. (laughs) I've gone against my own advice. It's all good. Thank you for being honest. And I'm so excited to have you. And before we dive into the archetype diet, which I'm so excited to chat to you about, can you tell us about your journey and how you got to where you are today? I am a functional medicine nutritionist and cognitive behavioral therapist. And it has been a 18-year process for me to get there. Prior to that, I was in finance. I grew up in Australia, just like you. (laughs) And at the age of 26, I decided to take nine months off and travel the world. And that's what I did. And I went looking for answers. And I will tell you, I didn't find any answers (laughs) because it all comes from the mind. I ended up in London and wanted a career shift and found myself surrounded by nutrition books. So decided to move in that direction. And that was a four-year program studying nutrition, functional medicine, and uh, and therapy at the time. I moved to New York and that's where I established my practice. And since then, it's been an observation into the minds of, of women and, and looking at their bodies at the same time and until I've now been able to really connect the two. Oh, beautiful. And your approach, it's a revolutionary and very holistic approach to health and weight loss that really guides people to discover what their archetype is. And I love this concept. I absolutely love it. But for someone who's like, okay, what are they talking about? What are these four archetypes? So can you explain what these four archetypes are? 
Yes, an archetype just means model because I think sometimes people get confused about what that is uh, and just means like the four models of women. So, so I created the four female archetype um, structure to give women the opportunity to really understand very complex interactions between the physical body and the mind. Otherwise, it was just cumbersome. And I realized that the reason we had these seemingly self-sabotaging behaviors in our relationship to food and even other women or the men in our life had to do with where we sourced our self-worth from. And so I developed these archetypes based on that. Where was that source of self-worth? And it wasn't whether it was your self-worth was good or bad, which is where did it come from? We know what was the identity? And the first one is the nurturer. The nurturer sources her sense of self-worth from being there for others. She's very open, giving, compassionate, kind. The downs and really her fear attached to that is that she's not going to be needed. So then this creates a whole set of other behaviors, which I'll come on to. The Wonder Woman sources her self-worth from success, achievement, and recognition. And so she's a very driven woman. She's very ambitious. The fear for her is that she's going to become irrelevant. So that can put her under an extraordinary amount of stress to be the best. And again, we'll come back to what that actually means in the physical body. Then there's the femme fatale. And the femme fatale gets her source of self-worth from her physical body. And this is a really hard place to be because if you don't feel good in your body, you're going to feel pretty worthless. If you feel really good in your body, you are going to be flying high. So the extreme between a balanced femme fatale and an out of balance femme fatale is, is so at the opposite ends of the spectrum that sometimes the femme fatales don't even recognize one another, except for this understanding that they, they are very vulnerable to the thoughts on their physical body. Then there's the ethereal and the ethereal likes to be different. She's very intuitive, creative, and imaginative. And however, she was the weird girl at school. She just sort of didn't really fit in. And as a coping strategy, she would retreat into her inner world. And, and, and that was the place where she, you know, developed that imaginative mind. Um, however, she doesn't always relish in that. Some of the ethereals can take on the mask of the other archetypes, principally the Wonder Woman and the Femme Fatale, because society values success and looks. And so if that's her, she's even more discombobulated than an out-of-balance Femme Fatale and Wonder Woman because it's really foreign to her instinctive way of being, which is very free-spirited. So, you know, those are the, those are the four archetypes in a nutshell of how they were actually derived. And then there's a whole host of behaviors that are attached to that and then food behaviors and then there's hormones and then an eating plan. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's a big model, but it's a very, it's a very robust model. Wow. And how did you come up with this? It was years and years of listening to my clients' stories. And it wasn't like this light bulb moment. Um, and, and sometimes I wish it was. It was just sort of piecing it all together. So given my background was principally in functional medicine, I very much understood the physical body and the hormonal aspect of it. So we know that cortisol contributes to belly fat. 
if you're in the functional medicine world, you're aware that when insulin's elevated, then you'll tend to store body fat everywhere because insulin's the primary fat storage hormone. And estrogen causes you to store body fat on the upper thighs if you're a woman. And so I already had that, that patterning in my mind. And as I started to look deeper into these body shapes, I just, I, I went backwards. Like I went into, well, what's going on here? Why are the insulin levels elevated? Why are the estrogen levels elevated? Why are these cortisol levels elevated? And I was really led to the mind. So the Wonder Woman, she's the one that's the likes of success and achievement. Well, she has these very elevated levels of cortisol because it's, I need to be the best, 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 best. So she tended to store body fat first and foremost on her abdominal area. And she was a reward eater. So she was the client that I was always going to be challenged when we got to the alcohol and the late night dark chocolate eating, because that's how she got her pleasure. She was so busy that very rarely did she put other forms of clay into her life. So part of my process with working with her was to have her identify that that's what was going on and then to get her to say, oh, identify the other things in her life that made her happy. And it's so surprising how many women do not know what makes them happy. And so we'd go on this and they would create this list of these things that brought joy to the world. And so we would start to swap. We'd start to move the alcohol out and put in something that made them feel joyful. And then therefore it was a sense of reward for them. But the ultimate uh, breaking piece was cracking that her source of self-worth was based on success and achievement because no one is valuable because of an external factor. Like we're all valuable as humans for our presence for being there. But this was is so imprinted into our culture and certainly imprinted into her mind because she had a very specific experience or experiences that said that to her. So you have to go back and change that belief so that she then no longer feels this needs need to constantly achieve and achieve and achieve. So it's a very layered process, but it's laid out in a way that's easy to understand. It's like, here's your archetype. Like these are the behaviors that happen with this particular archetype. Here's the hormonal issues. Here's the diet that matches that so that we're no longer women are like, do I go on the paleo? Do I go on the ketogenic? Should I do intermittent fasting? Right? There's all of that noise that happens. I no longer need to do that. It's like you match the plan to your mindset and to your body type. And then the final piece of, of the archetype diet is the mind. It's like, well, how do you crack these sub, how do you crack these imprints? And so I take people through this six R reprogramming process to do that. And I'm more than happy to talk about how to do that on, on this call, depending on how much time we have. So that's just one, like, that's just me giving you one example of the Wonder Woman. And we can go into each of those if you want to. But I, I hope you start to, did you start to see the flow of that and how that could happen? Yes, absolutely. Did you know one thing I love about this is it's a very holistic approach. You're taking into consideration the beliefs, the childhood patterns. Like it's, it's pretty amazing because we can't just go and, you know, subscribe to one way of eating. There's so much behind it. And people can discover their archetype by either going to your website, which we'll link in the show notes or getting your book, The Archetype Diet. But how do these archetypes compare to the Ayurvedic dosha? So they weren't developed based on the Ayurvedic doshas. However, when you compare them, there are absolute crossovers, which 
I would hope, because <laughs> Ayurvedic doshas have been around for 5,000 years. And the Wonder Woman tends to be very pitta. I'm a Wonder Woman. Um, I think we discovered that you're a Wonder Woman. And so it's very pitta, like, like we're, we're fiery. <laughs> like there's, there's, that, there's that, that drive there. Then the, the ethereal is absolutely vata. Very airy and light and tends to have that same body type that you would predict with a, a, the vata dosha. And the nurture is very kapha, right? She constantly feels stuck and stagnant. And, and there isn't the equivalent for the femme fatale, but the way that I interpret that through the doshas is to say that the femme fatale is really a byproduct of society today because we have for way too long overvalued the importance of a woman's body. And so she's, she's come out of that. Now, what I will say with the, with the doshas is that they, they are very different in their eating styles. So I recently did a podcast with Sarah Rose and, and I thought I was quite conversant about <laughs> doshas. And then, and then she says, Oh no, it's a vegetarian plant. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, you know, I didn't even realize that. And, and so for these archetypes here, it's not a vegetarian plant. Um, it has an omnivore plant, although they can all be adjusted to follow a vegetarian or, or a vegan diet. And so I'm conscious to, to stress that, that point that they are very different. I don't want to do any disservice to the, to the Ayurvedic doshas there. Right. Okay. So we've discovered that you and I are the superwoman. <laughs> Tell us more about that particular archetype. Like what foods are best for that archetype? So the Wonder Woman is driven by cortisol. That's the overriding hormone for her. So I don't want her to eat in a way that exacerbates those cortisol levels. So the first tip for her is pull out the gluten and the dairy. If you haven't done it, it's time to do it. Now, this doesn't mean that everybody is sensitive to the gluten and the dairy, but but this is one of my first recommendations because she's more likely to develop these food sensitivities because of how cortisol works with the causing some leaky gut. And if you're sensitive to a food, it produces inflammation in the body. And then what binds up that inflammation? Well, cortisol does. And so you don't need cortisol to be secreted by the adrenals because of a food that you're eating. Like you need the cortisol to counter the, the emotional stress that's going on in your life. So that's the first thing I, I suggest that she actually does. And for all of the archetypes bar the ethereal, I recommend that they, they start with a protein-based breakfast. So that could be a, a plant-based smoothie with a really good vegan protein powder. Um, or it could be a chia seed pudding and the chia seed has the same amount of protein as an egg, or it could certainly be eggs. Like that's the, that's the best choice for breakfast. Um, for the ethereal, she's the only one who I suggest eat, could, could eat carbohydrates for such a carbohydrates for breakfast because she needs those carbs to have her feel grounded. So she's good with the overnight soaked, soaked oats and, and the quinoa bowls and, um, no one should ever be on an acai bowl. They're way too sweet, by the way. Uh, but she's the only one that can be on those carbs. Everybody else should start with a protein-based breakfast because it ultimately suppresses the appetite throughout the rest of the day and it keeps the blood sugar levels very stable. Hence why I was laughing this morning that here I was having some um, little Japanese rice crackers and a green juice. <laughs> um, I will tell you why. I was totally out of frozen fruit. Otherwise, I would have had a smoothie this morning. Um, then for lunch and dinner, she follows the same structure and Wonder Woman really need a, a formula because it's quite difficult for them to follow a, a meal plan because their lives are just so busy. So they have a formula and the formula Wonder Woman, um, 
it is six ingredients. You have three vegetables, half a plate's worth. Then the rest of the plate is split between protein, fats, carbohydrates. A quarter of that, of that plate is your protein. And then the other split is um, a fat, a serving of fat, and about a quarter of a cup of some type of starchy carbohydrates like chickpeas, lentils, mm, a sweet potato, something like that. So it's not this low-carbohydrate diet. In actual fact, if you look at that, it's 75% plant-based. And that makes it very ideal for the Wonder Woman because she doesn't need, she really doesn't need to strip out all those carbohydrates like a lot of the diets out there today. She actually re- responds better with a little bit of carbs in there. Wonder Women also tend to be quite heavy exercisers. They need that exercise to burn off their excess adrenaline and noradrenaline so they can't be too low on the carbs. Um, and, and what I've said there for you, the way to structure the plate, it's for somebody that is not exercising more than six hours a week. If you're exercising more than six hours a week, you absolutely have to add more carbohydrates into the diet. And I explain that connection in the book and the chapter on carbohydrates. One other recommendation for all of the archetypes is that they have two snacks so that they are having keeping about three hours between all of their meals. And their snacks should be no greater than what their weight in pounds, which is not, you guys are just going to have to do the conversions that you work in kilograms. Now, I'll give you that, that in the pounds. So if you, somebody wants to be 120 pounds, then they, I only recommend their snacks at 120 calories. Now, most people here in the US are eating 200, 250, 300, maybe 400 um, calories and snacks. And it's one of the greatest inhibitors to their weight loss goals. And so we bring that down. And for the Wonder Woman who want, want to be smart and they really value their brain, then they should really work on snacks and enhance that. So um, uh, things like um, nori with avocado and some Brazil nuts are really helpful for that. Um, really, it should snacks should be fruit, fat, vegetable, fruit, whatever they want it to be, except a banana. But they can be working with their color spectrum, which is where the, where the uh, chakras come in. And Wonder Woman work uh, respond very well to the yellow color spectrum because their third chakra is out of balance. So snacking on some pineapple is a great idea. Having a pineapple smoothie in the morning is a wonderful idea. Throwing some yellow bell peppers into a salad is fantastic to help bring in more emotional resilience. So, so to sort of give you a day, uh, like what would a day be? I'm talking off the top of my head now. An ideal day for a Wonder Woman where she would start with a maybe a green smoothie made with some almond milk or macadamia nut milk, a plant-based protein powder, a very clean plant-based protein powder, and then a cup of frozen pineapple in there with some greens tossed into it. That would be a wonderful breakfast. Then at lunch, it could be a, an, I'm going to use my Australian terminology, it could be a rocket salad, which is also called arugula, <laughs> salad with some, some um fresh heirloom tomatoes and cucumber. So there you've got your three vegetables. Then maybe there's some organic chicken, so a quarter of an avocado and some white beans. There's, there's your starchy carbohydrates. And then you have a citrus dressing. So that's drizzled all over it. Very easy to do, six ingredients. Um, a snack then in the afternoon around four o'clock just could be some raspberries. Then dinner follows the same structure. But here you might do some wok toast vegetables with a quarter of a cup of brown rice and some um, shrimp or grass-fed red meat. 
and the vegetables are cooked in a little bit of sesame oil. Then she maybe she's got some sweet cravings. Instead of going for the chocolate, she could sit down and with just, just some chopped up papaya and a little bit of um, lemon juice or lime juice. That's a really beautiful day for her. It's a very balancing day. Now, I will say the archetype diet is is specifically focused on weight loss. So that's a weight loss day. And when I say weight loss, I mean fat loss. I'm talking one-to-one here. So if that's not one of your goals, you would just need to bump up the carbohydrates in the, what I just said to you and find the balance for you. Wow. Amazing. I did. So, you know, I am this archetype and as we discovered, and I did ketogenic diet for about seven months. Oh my goodness. Okay. You have to share your experience. Please tell me. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this was a few years ago and like reflecting back, the first thing I noticed was my sleep went. So I usually am an epic gold medalist can go to the Olympics for sleep. Like my husband jokes all the time and he just is like, I don't know how you do it. Like you're an epic sleeper and I take it so seriously. And and I get eight solid hours and I wake up and I'm just refreshed and bouncing out of bed in the morning. And so the first thing that went was the sleep and anxiety kicked in. Oh, I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah, let's talk, let's let's go through all this and I can probably explain why that happened. Yes, yes. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention that I noticed was I lost my libido. Mm. So they were the two things that I noticed. And then I realized, holy smokes, this is definitely not serving me. And I switched things up and now I feel the best and the healthiest I've ever felt in my entire life. But yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. So uh, what were you actually eating? Like there's so many takes on what the ketogenic diet should be and um my what ten what i tend to hear that it is is it's no more than 50 grams of carbohydrates in the form of vegetables um and then the rest of it is heavy on the fats and the protein but there's lots of misinterpretations what were you actually eating yeah that's pretty much it it was it was very much protein and vegetables there was no starchy carbs but the thing is, is that I realize now and I've learned since then is that I probably actually wasn't in ketosis because I was having so much protein, which turns into glucose. I wasn't probably actually even in ketosis, even though I thought I was because I was having so much protein to satiate myself. So, yeah. and it was just like, um, I was at this time as well doing the bulletproof coffee thing. Right. Okay. So that's it. Yeah. And so- which I soon realized as well that coffee does not agree with me. It does not agree with me one bit. And that much fat does not agree with me as well. So that's what I was doing. And then lunch and dinner were high protein, high fat vegetables. There was no starchy carbohydrates um, and things like that. So it really wasn't the best thing for me. I, Like I said, anxiety, sleep went and my libido went. Yeah, so... Most of that would be due to the bulletproof coffee in the morning with the sh- that amount of fat. Were you doing the two tablespoons of fat? Babe, yes, I was. Mm-hmm. You were? Wow. So so remember this model. This is this was developed by this was developed by Dave Asprey. Um it, it's there's no difference between a woman and a man here. Um there's no delineation. He developed the bulletproof coffee because he had mitochondrial dysfunction. And so that the, like the cell membranes of the cell were so disrupted, he need he needed this amount of fat to restore the mitochondria. 
And so that's where this model came from. And, and yet it's just been picked up on that. This is what we all need to do. And it's that amount of fat is way too heavy for a woman in the morning. Like you can't process two tablespoons of fat. It's just too heavy. Like uh, when women would come to me, I would say, if you want to do the bulletproof coffee, you totally can, but it's one teaspoon of each. And then you've got to see how you are. So it's that amount of fat. It's too difficult for the liver to, to like secrete enough bile to emulsify those fats. Plus you have that combination of the fat and the caffeine. And no wonder the anxiety is up, right? Right. And and technically you've fasted. You've sort of done an intermittent fasting diet with this as well because you haven't eaten anything until lunch. That without a doubt causes the anxiety. When I did the intermittent fasting and like you, I did it for like six months or seven months, probably seven years ago, you try it out. And I will say the only thing I got from the intermittent fasting diet, I didn't get, I didn't get faster fat loss. I just got anxiety and I had my first panic attack because my blood sugar levels were so destabilized. And as a nutritionist, that's not what you do. That's the first thing you correct. I went to my acupuncturist because I was so freaked out about it. The next day I was doing something for PBS and I was like, hell no, I can't have a panic attack. And he looks at me and he says, do you think it's your blood sugar levels? And all of a sudden, I just, I have that download and I'm like, holy hell, my blood sugar levels are just regulated because I haven't eaten breakfast for six to seven months and I'd just been on coffee. And I was like, from then I was like, I've, I've got to go back to start eating breakfast. But we have to go back and, and we have to try these things, right? So that we can experience them to say whether they're going to work for us or not. You know, and the loss of libido is... who knows what that's coming in from, but could easily be from just the too low levels of those starchy carbohydrates and potentially those vegetables. You need the vegetables to regulate the, all of your sex hormones. That's why I have women eating double the amount of vegetables that I give to a man. Right. So for, for like the wonder woman we just went through, she has double the amount of vegetables to the protein. And I say to men, you actually get equal parts, right? They don't, they work better with a little bit more fat. They work better with more protein. So it's a great diet for them. It's just not great for a woman. Yeah, totally. What are your thoughts on coffee and the four archetypes? Is there any archetype that does well? And I'm talking like good quality, organic, mold-free coffee here, not not yes. stuff from, you know, the corner shop. So, so that, it doesn't have anything to do with the archetypes here. I could probably, probably... Um, say that the ethereals may not do really well on coffee at all just because they tend to have um, higher levels of anxiety. But this to me is more to do with the genetic uh, ability to metabolize caffeine. So there are some people that are fast metabolizers of caffeine and there are others that aren't. I happen to be a fast metabolizer, so caffeine works really well for me, except if I put it with fat and then I'm like, I'm like as high as anything. <laughs> and, um, um, and so you have to know how caffeine works within the body. Most of us, if caffeine doesn't feel good to us, then you take it out. But really, uh, like limit it to like one, one cup is ideal, two cups maximum, nothing after 11 o'clock. And you just, as women, it takes eight hours. The half-life of caffeine in a woman's body is eight hours. Wow. And so then, that, so that means half of it's metabolized. And so then another four hours later, half of that half is metabolized. So it's just such a long process. And if you're on the contraceptive pill, then it elongates that even more. Wow. And some people are having two or three coffees a day. Yes. And, and it's, 
if, if you're a fast metabolizer of caffeine, fine, like have two, two, two espressos and be done with it. But, but otherwise, no. Now, there's an exception to that. If you are adrenally fatigued, then coffee is not your friend. And how do you know you're adrenally fatigued? You do high-intensity exercise and you feel worse afterwards. Right? So that's one indication. And adrenal fatigue is thrown around, but what it really means is that you're, you don't have cortisol coming in this really beautiful L shape, which is like your circadian rhythm anymore. So cortisol should be elevated in the morning and then gradually taper off throughout the day so you can get to sleep. For somebody who's adrenally fatigued, it's flatlining. Like it's, it's just flat. You've got no energy in the morning and maybe sometimes it kicks up in the evening and then you're a little wired. But also your adrenaline and noradrenaline is you just, you have such low levels of that. And, and you, adrenaline and noradrenaline are your fight and flight hormones. So when you, and when you drink a cup of coffee, you stimulate the adrenaline and noradrenaline. So you don't want to be having a cup of coffee and stimulating that when you, your resources are so, so minor. Again, you, what you want the adrenaline and noradrenaline to be kicking in when you're truly under, under a stress response. Like you're driving somewhere and then you need to slam on the brakes. You need to have enough adrenaline and neuroadrenaline in the body to be able to recognize that there's an issue, that there's a crisis happening and just slam on the brakes. So, so that's when I suggest that women take it out. Mm, right. Okay. So the next archetype, the femme fatale, what would a day on her plate look like? You know what? I, the femme fatale is, she's very similar to the Wonder Woman because it's more of a mindset shift for her. Mm. So the femme fatale tends to be very fearful of food. So she's the one that doesn't eat fruit. She's very scared of eating um, the high glycemic vegetables, which are, don't exist, by the way. And when I'm talking about those, I mean the carrots and the beets. So it's just a fallacy. It's wrong. Um and, and she's scared of putting any type of carbohydrate into her body unless she's in a binge mode and then she just eats everything inside. So, um, um, which is what happens because then Vitales get on this very restrictive plan. They restrict, 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 and then they can't do it. And so then they binge. And when they binge, they feel such a sense of shame and, and they will continue eating that way, feeling like a failure until they forgive themselves for that, for that binge. And, and one of the ways that I work with the femme fatales, besides addressing the mind and that they're not worthy based on their body, right? They're, they're worth so much more than that, is that forgive yourself. Like if you have a little binge, just forgive yourself. And the next day, get back on plan. Or if that binge happens in the morning, like you can recover. You can totally recover and like make it a maintenance day. It doesn't have to be this weight loss day. And so for the femme fatale, I structure it very much like the Wonder Woman because she often needs to add these carbohydrates in to kickstart her metabolism. And, and so it's a very similar plate structure to what we just went through. And the biggest difference there would be that her, her second chakra is out of balance. And so that's working with the orange. And here's the irony of that is that she's the archetype that is avoiding the mango smoothies and not wanting to put the carrots on her salads. And yet that is the emotional rebalancing food for her. Wow. I am. Right. And the thing also about femme fatales is they get, it's very black and white for them. And if one thing's good, it's really good for them. So I've had femme fatales come into my practice and they're eating yellow foods at every single meal. I'm sorry, orange foods at every single meal. And, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Once a day is really good because you can end up with, you know, orange colored skin if you overdo it on the carotenoids. <laughs> 
And you know, a little bit of orange in the skin is actually really pretty. Um, um, but we don't want to do that. And so I'll just stress that to the, just you know, put that out there with the femme fatales. So it's very similar to the Wonder Woman plan. Yes. I had a friend whose hands turned orange from too much carrot and sweet potato. (laughs) (laughs) It's very common. I'm surprised mine haven't, to be honest. I love sweet potato so much. Like sweet potato chips are are literally like an orgasm in my mouth. It's so good. But I'm surprised. My husband's like, I don't know how you haven't turned into a sweet potato. (laughs) Well, that's good. So you you must be eating the other colors as well. Yes, I will. I will. And then, and then we have actually it's a good way that we do this because then we have the nurturer and then the ethereal, and they're the opposite ends of the spectrum. So, so for the ethereal, sorry, for the nurturer, the nurturer is remember that she has gets a sense of self worth from being there for others. And so, what happens is that she often deprioritizes herself and, and she's so busy giving to, to others that very little nurturing comes her way. So she ends up highly depleted and she's exhausted. And, and then when you're in that state, it, it, it mean, you just end up grabbing that gluten-free muffin and you know that it's not good for you. But if you're thinking, Oh my goodness, if I don't grab that on the way, I'm not going to be able to eat again. And that's the state that she falls into. Or she will find herself in social situations and is very challenged to ask for what she wants because she doesn't want to be a diva. She doesn't want to make a performance about her food choices and so just goes with the flow. That's what often trips up the, the nurturer. And this is the biggest difference between the nurturer and the Wonder Woman. The Wonder Woman will say, can I just get the vegetables on the side? Or if it's family style, she'll say, can you just grab me that um, sauteed asparagus and the green salad with ease? The nurturer will get into a panic. And will not say anything mm. because she's so worried about disrupt, disrupting the status quo. Like for her, uh, just making making some little um, upheaval is is terrible for her. And and so then she finds herself eating pizza with the girls because she just felt like she shouldn't say anything. And so with that way of eating, it's very it's much more carbohydrate based. And the carbs convert to glucose, as we were discussing, and that stimulates insulin. Insulin's the body's fat storage hormone, and so she starts to gain body fat everywhere. Over time, it then interferes with her estrogen levels. So the more carbohydrates you eat, the more estrogen you have. And want you to understand that that match there. And Melissa, as you were saying, like you lost your libido. Well, if I come to, if I think about it, you had pulled all those carbohydrates out, so you probably had this lower level of estrogen. Right. Estrogen, estrogen's like the youth hormone. It gives you this sort of plump radiance, this plumpness in the cheeks and this radiance and this is your sex hormones. And so here's the great thing about the nurturers is that they've got a libido, right? Cause they've got this beautiful estrogen pumping through their body. Um, the only time they don't have a libido is cause they're too exhausted. But, but from a physical perspective, their, their libido's on fire. And, and for them though, they need to, manage their estrogen it's too much there's too much insulin and there's too much estrogen so then they are the one that works better on for their body on a lower carbohydrate based diet um they're often told by physicians that they need to be on the paleo diet and the paleo diet is a great option for them but it's misinterpreted so when we think paleo we think red meat and nuts and that is the worst thing for the nurturer it's good that she's pulled out those carbohydrates, but the meat and the nuts are too energetically heavy for her body. 
So if you think about it like a cow, it's stuck and stagnant and a nurturer will feel that way. So it's like, why does she want to eat, eat something that's energetically doing what she doesn't want? So for her, I have her eat mainly more seafood. Uh, so she wants to feel more fluid and light in her body. She wants to feel more like the ethereal. And so then she needs to eat in a way that's lighter. So she's like, it's like 50% of her protein choices for lunch and dinner. She should really try and get the fish in and, and clean fish. So it's the wild salmon. It's the halibut. I think it's barramundi. You can tell me whether that's a clean fish. Um, um, it's, it's, um, the lemon soles and the dover soles and, and certainly all the shellfish. Like they are a better match for her body and she will lose weight at a faster rate if she does that. I pull out the nuts for her because she tends to overeat them, um, and replace them with seeds. So that she's snacking on pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds versus snacking on, on the, on the paleo and the vegan snacks, which is again, just not, not suitable for her body. Um, I bump up the amount of protein for her because we pull, because I pulled out the carbohydrate, she's going to be super hungry. And out of all of the archetypes, like she's the one that will be hungrier because biochemically things are just a little off for her. So, so she gets a, like an ounce more, so she's about 25 grams more of protein than the other archetypes and then that's really satiating for her because because protein does just shut down the appetite um and and that's and she works well with the red spectrum so it's her first chakra that's out of balance and that's the first chakra is all about security so so she a raspberry smoothie for her in the morning would be a great option a and then a, a salad for her would be like a spinach salad. Did I say to put the cruciferous vegetables in? I recommend that she has uh, a serving of cruciferous vegetables daily and because that regulates the estrogen levels. And so she could be having a spinach salad because that's cruciferous vegetable with some grated carrots and some grated beets. I love putting the color in there and the red beet color in there. And that might be um, some pumpkin seeds in there for her as a fat. She could do some wild salmon. And that would be her meal. So she wouldn't add any sweet potatoes. She wouldn't add any beans to it, but she would have a larger serving size of the protein. And then in the afternoon, she might snack on some um, seed crackers. That would be a great option for her. And then for dinner, it could be, well, let's try and use a similar scenario to what we did with the Wonder Woman. Um, she could do the wok-tossed vegetables, but she wouldn't do steak. She'd do shrimp and wok-tossed vegetables. And she wouldn't do any any brown rice with that. And then as in the after after dinner as a snack, then she might do some chopped up apple with cinnamon. That would be a good choice for her. Wow. Okay. This is so, so great. It's as you're talking, I'm picturing the different women in my life. And I'm like, oh yep, she's a Wonder Woman. Yep, she's a an ethereal. So I'm like, already you can very much um pick who people are just by hearing you talk about them. And your book is amazing. And anyone who wants to dive deeper into it, please get it. But I'd love to turn the spotlight a little bit more on you now and ask you, what do you attribute all of your success to? <laughs> um Thank you very much for that, Melissa. Um, I would say it's being present. I really listen to my clients, uh, really listen to them. And I have this unbelievable, I have this unbelievable passion for helping them 
see success and um, and I'm willing to write it out with them. If they are there with me, then we are going to go looking for answers when there are no answers. So right now I'm working with a woman who has um, for six years has been searching for answers on why she is so distended. And there is a term for it. I don't necessarily listen to the medical terms because I'm always interested, well, what's the cause behind it? And um, every time she eats, it's this, it's this distension. What it is is that the brain is not communicating to the digestive system, and so it's not functioning. So it's not a case of somebody having, say, a bloated belly after they eat a meal or there's some type of candida or, or even small intestinal bacterial overgrowth that's causing that. Like this is this is no communication between the brain and the gut. I mean, she spent $200,000 on trying to find answers and still hasn't found an answer. And, and she started and she gained weight. She did 32 fecal transplants. What? Is that even allowed? She went searching in Europe. I mean, she, she's a true case of where, where it's valid for her to have these fecal transplants. But here's the issue, right? So rather than giving her the the stool of a woman it's 72 percent male what and, and then and then there was a woman then there's a girl who's 12 years old so what do you think the outcomes from that are well, she hasn't had her period she hasn't had a period in years and it's like well oh my gosh uh, okay that now makes sense because the gut microbiome regulates the the hormones and we don't with these advances in medicine, they're so wonderful, but sometimes we don't see this full picture of, of what some of the outcomes can be um, going going on. And so, and what happened too is she 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 gained weight. She came to me because she had come, you know she gained I think thirty or forty pounds. She's a femme fatale, so for her it was absolutely devastating. And um and we've been able to get the weight down, um, which is she's absolutely absolutely thrilled with. But and now we're I'm really starting to delve into this work behind the the brain and it's not the mind it's the brain not communicating with the gut and and I'm I am with her like really we're going to figure this out <laughs> right and so and and I would say that that's where my success has been that that I'm looking in many different places for for the person that's sitting in front of me. Oh, beautiful. I've actually had, I know a few people who have had those fecal transplants and they haven't worked in, in, I know two people that they hadn't worked. And I actually know uh, another story of someone who had this fecal transplant and they started to take on the mannerisms of the person that they got the transplant from. Like, isn't that, isn't that amazing? Um, it's fascinating. It's and and I'm not surprised to hear that because a lot of the research on the fecal transplants is coming out of Australia. I mean, it's new. It's just it's new research, and and it, we just we don't know we don't know the outcomes. And in case there there are certain cases where it's really valid, like like for this particular client, it made sense for her to do that. Um, but I, you know, I have other clients where they've come to me and I've said, look, this is my recommendation that you really research it, but this is what I see. So you have to decide whether, whether the downside, how that's going to affect your quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone's so individual and it really does come back to what feels right for me. And I think that's, you know, very, very important to remember. Yes. Yes. I need to remember that power of the mind on say the gut microbiome and the rest of the body and how 
connection is just is just so it's such a, a vital healing tool then when we feel connected to a community things just start to function better we feel better everything starts to flow and and we're just starting to see that in the literature um and so uh, I'm just side check. I'll just do a sidetrack here. But there's literature showing that when you remove the baby rodents from their mother um, after birth, then they have a very different gut microbiome from the rodents that stayed with their mother. So they lost their bonding. Um, we start. We're seeing that uh, um, when you look at the gut microbiome of university students it's very different at the end of the semester versus the beginning of the semester because of the amount of anxiety that's that's happening so lots of lots of interesting research out there to just to just really be aware of Mm, totally well stress completely ruins your gut microbiome like I've seen it with myself. I gave myself candida and SIBO, you know, after an incredibly stressful period in my life where my best friend passed away. And oh, wow. I, I had hives all over my body. Like my body just went into complete shock, fight or flight mode. And everything was just going bright red warning signs. It was just like, this is not working. So Yes, yeah, stress is a biggie and I really want everyone listening to just be mindful of that. If you have got, you know, if you're starting to feel bloating and things like that, it's like you could ask yourself, like, am I more stressed than I usually am? Like, do I need to just take some more deep breaths? And I know there's, you know, getting tests done and all of that is very important as well. But, you know, just slowing down, de-stressing, breathing is so powerful. Don't underestimate how powerful it is. Oh, it's it's hugely powerful, and I talk about this in the book because I use it as um, as a tool. And breath is the only system that has a dual control system in the body, so we can consciously change it, and it's also in the unconscious. There's no other system in the body, and so when you consciously use your breath, you can change like where in the brain you respond from. So, like a lot of Kundalini breathwork is all about that. It's about reprogramming the brain so that you are no longer in this fight flight freeze mode and you start to move into the prefrontal cortex which is where the rational processing part of the brain is it's 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 very powerful breath but highly highly underrated i mean these days i use more breath and lifestyle techniques than than i do supplements because supplements are still a band-aid there's a time and a place for them and, and i and i absolutely use them to help support the physical body at the same time that somebody is is adding in these lifestyle changes but i but I, sometimes i see people come in with like 20 supplements and i had a woman yesterday who sent me a photograph of her her cabinet she's like i don't even know what these do and i, and I was like well let's see if we can get it down to buy for you right out of 30 <laughs> um because the 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 lifestyle is a huge piece it's a huge piece Absolutely. I love that you said that too. And, you know, I work with an amazing functional medicine doctor. Um, his name's Dr. Stephen Cabral. He's been on my show. You know, I said to him, I was like, don't give me 5,000 things. <laughs> I was like, it overwhelms me and I just don't want it. And he's like, Melissa, my goal for you is to not be taking anything. But right now we need to supplement with X, Y, and Z because that's what's going on in your body. But the goal is to eventually you know, not be supplementing with those things. So I love that you said that. 
He's abs- he's absolutely right. And and that's a point I want to add to that supplements are highly effective with the right diet, but they should not not shouldn't be the hope is is that you don't need to take them for life. Like that is the ultimate goal. So a client of mine is leaving she's leaving New York to go to Thailand for six months and <laughs> we just went through a supplement list and I said, yeah, you need to take two things. You need to take a probiotic and you need to take DIM, which is with, she's a nurturer, which is with the cruciferous vegetables, everything else to do with like sleep, dopamine levels, even magnesium. I was like, you don't need to take, right? Cause you're just moving out of this stress fast paced environment and you're down shifting quite dramatically. Oh, so good. Love that. Thank you for saying that. Now, if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world, now besides your book, <laughs> let's presume that's already in there, what book would you choose? That's a really good question. I have to think about that. Um, I don't, I'm going to give you a dual answer. One is I f- would like there to be a course on psychology. If that would be incredibly helpful into understanding our beliefs um, that are really being created at that time as a teenager. I've read many powerful books. One of the books that stood out for me was Awakening Shakti by Sally Kempton. And it's about the feminine goddesses. And I am just finding that far too many women are losing their their sense of being female and what it is to be this like really this goddess and she takes you through the different um hindu goddesses and so you can find like my archetypes you can find the archetypes that you like um and start to embody and embrace some of those really really feminine traits I love that. I talk a lot about that in my second book, Open Wide. It's called A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex. And I cover reconnecting with your divine feminine, I call it your God essence. Yes. Yeah. So I'll definitely send you a copy of that, my love. I would love that. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I know you would love it. You would love it. So we'll link to both of those books in the show notes because they sound amazing and I highly recommend everyone reading both of those as well as your book. But let's talk about how your day looks now. So I love hearing about people's morning routines and how they prime themselves for the day. So do you have a morning routine? And if so, can you share it with us? Yes, and I have two because I split my time between LA and New York, and they're very different. So um, New York, I am seeing clients, so I have twelve-hour days. I start at eight and I go to eight. Um, so they're very, they're very long, and they're booked back to back. So I'm understanding I'm slightly jet lagged because I do live more in LA than I do in New York. So I drag myself out of bed. <laughs> And I immediately have a glass of water and then I go into nine minutes of nourishment, which is um, my Kundalini practice that I pulled together for very busy women. And the nine minutes of nourishment is split into this three minutes of some type of movement like cat and cow, three minutes of some type of breath. I do a practice called fists of anger and that's in my book. And it's like really powerful breath that is incredibly vitalizing. And then I do three minutes of a visualization about how I want the data flow. 
And then while I am getting ready, I play some uh, Kundalini mantras. So it's like a meditation for me that I haven't had the opportunity to do. And I'm definitely taking a probiotic at that time and maybe a greens powder. Then I leave the house, go and get a coffee, start my day, block out time to exercise um, at lunch because that's crucial for me. So I have a two-hour break where most of the time I will exercise and sometimes it's just time for me to um, catch up on things or catch up, catch up and have lunch with a girlfriend. Um, and so connection is important. So that's that. That's New York. And then when I'm in LA, it, that's the opposite schedule. So I, uh, it's my time to decompress and get into me. Otherwise, I would be a mess. And then I wake up and I have some type of elixir in the morning. It could be lemon water. It could be a green juice. It could be like I'm, I just did something for Super Elixir and I really love their product. So it would be the Super Elixir. It could be rose. Um, whatever it is, I'm decided I want to work on definitely taking probiotics, um, maybe some other supplements that I'm working on. And then I make coffee and my man and I will sit in bed and talk for half an hour about things. It's a way for us to connect. Um, and then I will go and do some Kundalini and it might be a half an hour practice. It might be longer. Um, I might go for a beach walk and I don't start my day until 10 then. So I have this just more time for me. And and it was only fairly recently that I was like, I'm starting at 10 when I'm in LA and I'm finishing at five because I just, I wanted my life. I wanted to be able to have these afternoon beach walks. I wanted to be able to um, get some exercise in and not just be in this fast adrenaline go, go, go mode. Yes. How do you cope living in New York with that energy? The thing about New York, everybody talks about how um, it's so excitatory, but it's real. It's actually really activating. So it's not like you've got your foot on the pedal the entire time. There's just something about it where you there's an excitement to it, and it's just sort of it's just sort of fun. But you have a lot of there's a lot of everything's so convenient. It's dense. It doesn't take you long to get anywhere. So if I want to go from downtown to uptown, 20 minutes and then done. If I want to get things done, like even like drop the dry cleaning off or getting my nails done, I'm going to do that in New York because it's like a minute's walk away versus half an hour in LA. So the, the, it's great to have that, that sort of charginess. You just need to know how to manage it. So midweek on a Wednesday night, I see my rolfer. So for an hour and a half, like she's doing Reiki and rolfing on me because I've just seen, I don't know, 25, 30 clients and I'm picking up on their energy and, and I need to disperse it. Wait, what's, what's rolfing? Rolfing is a method where, um, um, it's like using, getting into the fascia to, ha- oh. to start to release, um, just start to release like blocks that are there either from a physical or an emotional perspective. Uh, and I line this beautiful biomat and she's got the candles going and it's just a time for me to, once I leave, I woke up feeling very ethereal. <laughs> um, and, and I also have salt baths. So I sit in a salt bath for, for 20 minutes after a day of consulting because like my energetic field is picking up on, on everybody else's field. 
and and I don't want to start carrying the wounds of my clients who's not fair to my other clients. So when somebody's going through some type of um, like binge eating, I don't want to pick up on that. And it, there's such an energy shift that happens when you you consult. You really got to put up these 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 boundaries so you're not porous. Yeah, absolutely. That roll thing sounds amazing and I have never heard of it, but I am like, sign me up. She's amazing. Yes. I'll let you know. Her name is Rachel Felson. If anybody's in New York, she's, she's really wonderful. She's a, by the way, the, the, the healers that I work with are all nurturers. I love, I love my nurturers. <laughs> yeah. And they're perfect. You go there to, to be nurtured. It's, it's perfect. To be nurtured. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. So I've got three little rapid fire questions for you now. In your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can all do today for our health? Connect. I totally just just connect with others, like really on a deep level, on a deep, intimate level. That means you have to get vulnerable. You have to share things that are going on. It's not a dumping. And sometimes I have people who are like, oh, I don't have a partner. I was like, that's okay. Right, go to a yoga studio and talk to some of the girls there. Right? Just, just find that deep connection. Find your community. It's, it's vital. Absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Okay, the next one is: What is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth in our life? So, more abundance in all areas of our life. Be really honest with yourself about where your blocks are, because I view things through the lens of food. If you find yourself standing up in the kitchen just eating something and you don't know why, that's the time to pause and ask about what feels uncertain in my life and and how can you then get a little bit more certainty or move that in the direction that you want to be going in. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Being really honest with, you, with ourselves is so important. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And the last one is, what is one of the most important things that we can do today for more love in our life? So funny, the themes are all the same. Understand you. Wherever you feel some sense of shame, there's a block for you. There's, you are not going to be able to connect on a really deep level because there's this underlying fear that somebody's going to find that out. So Start either working with a a practitioner who's skilled in that, or get together with a like a nurturer. Identify her, and you guys just start to talk about some other things where you feel a sense of shame because that nurturer is not judging you. It's one of the things she doesn't do, and and pull it to the surface and and de shame it because it becomes what happens is we have these adaptive coping strategies so that we never feel that sense of shame ever again and it's a total block to intimacy and and this is an ongoing process like as you refine and refine and refine who you are and by the way my book goes through all of this this is really that at the core of it what it's all about is that as you as you go through that you will find yourself in relationships that are going to be confronting for you some are not the right relationships but they're there to 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 offer you a lesson and then there are going to be relationships where they truly are the right relationship, but they, they're also going to be a little tumultuous because it's making you see things in a way, in a way that just gives you greater insight to who you are. Like my, my, my boyfriend is, he's so wonderful and amazing and I could not have met a better match for me. And he makes me grow. Like when, when we met, he was, he just made me see myself in a way and nobody had been able to make me see things. And I, and I'm happy, I'm just going to share it with people. 
I was really good at discussing the situation. I could tell you what was going on, but I was terrible at telling you how I felt because I just assumed that you would know in that situation how I would feel. But really it was that explaining how I felt was so foreign to me and it's very, very foreign to a Wonder Woman. And, and I had to learn how to say that this is how I was feeling. And when you can express how you're feeling, that's how that person connects with you. So I have now learned to say, I feel really upset or I feel really sad about this. And sometimes I don't know why. And then, and then we get into a conversation about why that might be the case. That's intimacy. That's what we're all craving. Absolutely. And when we practice what I call CCC, crystal clear communication. And when we practice that with our partners, I talk a lot about this in Open Wide, which is my second book. A lot of us women think our men's can read our mind. They can't. They can't read our mind, ladies. And even though we're like, why can't they read our minds? Can't they, don't they just know I'm pissed off? Surely my body language is telling them I'm pissed off. No, they don't know that we're pissed off and they don't know that we're triggered or that we're upset. So what we have to do is practice crystal clear communication and say, hey, honey, when you said that, it actually hurt my feelings. Yes. And that's all we have to do. It happened literally last night over the dinner table. Nick said something. And I said, that really hurt my feelings. And he said, oh, but that's not what I meant. And I said, I know that's not what you meant, but the way that you said it actually hurt my feelings. And he was like, I'm so sorry. I will choose my words better next time. And that's it. And, and two, it's the, your perception. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's like, oh, okay. I interpreted that w- it that way. I know that's what you didn't say. That this is how I've interpreted it. And I got triggered because this is my wound. Exactly. And so it's a really good way to put the, the, it onto you because you're the one that got triggered. And so you can take that responsibility for that and understand why. And what you're doing is reaching out to them to say, can you soothe that for me? Can you give me greater clarity, clarity on this? Like that's why people fight because somebody misinterprets the other person and instead, it's like, well, this is what this is what I heard. Like, I know that's not what you said, but blah blah blah. This is how I interpreted it, and and then that's how you can resolve it. It's it's that, but that's that's You have to be able to speak what is on your mind. It needs to be a safe place for you to do so. So you have to create that in the relationship. Then you get really beautiful, intimate communication. Like, it's really, really wonderful. By the way, I love the name of your book, Open Wide. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. Well, it's it's about opening every chakra, opening your heart, opening your mind, opening every chakra in your body, opening every cells because – in every moment, we're either closed or we're open. We're either choosing love or we're choosing fear. And so for me, that is my guiding mantra. So I say to myself, whenever I feel myself close down or I literally feel my heart close off or my mind close off, I say to myself, open wide, Melissa, because nothing good comes from closing down. Nothing good ever comes from closing down and going like shutting off to the world. And my husband will grab my hand when he can see that I'm closing down and he'll grab my hand and he'll say to me, open wide, baby, nothing good comes from closing. Mm. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Even though I want to shut down right now, but you know, he's right. And 
that is my mantra. So every day when I go out into the world, am I open or am I closed? And and are we open to the Uber driver? Are we open to the person behind the counter at the bank? Or are we are is our head closed off and shut down and in our phones? You know, so this is this is where, you know, the whole idea for open wide stem from. And and thank you for saying that. Yeah, I love it too. It's it's my mantra. And such such a beautiful way to live life. Beautiful way. Totally. And this has just been so amazing and connecting with you has has been so beautiful and I I don't know whether it's you're an Aussie I feel very connected to you <laughs> and I've loved this conversation so much but is there anything else that you want to share or any last words of wisdom or anything that you wished I had have asked you that you wanted to talk about you know what we didn't we didn't talk about the ethereal so much and we won't go into it because I'm I'm conscious of everybody's time but I would just say if you're an ethereal then 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 the food is in the book so so go and have a little look at that and by the way everybody envies what you can eat ethereal but no I feel like we really really covered it I I would just say that if you're struggling with if you're struggling with some health issues there's help there's help out there that, that there really is. And it's, 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 it, it isn't a dead end. You will find the healing tools. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Before I go, I just wanted to ask you, how can I serve you and the listeners serve you today? How can we serve you? Oh, what a beautiful question. If this work interests you, then, then pick up the book. It was a five-year process for me. So it, re- it was really written from the heart. and. Um, and 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 read it because I hope it gives you some insight into you. What I know is that you have to buy it from the US Amazon site. I don't think you can get it from the Australian site because we don't have an Australian publisher yet. Um, but you can always download it on Kindle. You can definitely do the audio and you will hear me with my Australian accent. <laughs> so if this work interests you, then it, it's a it's, it's it is a really beautiful uh, book and it was it was a, a work of love for me. So thank you, Melissa, for asking me that. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you for not only your time and all of your wisdom and your knowledge and everything that you put out into the world, especially this book. It's it's so amazing, honey, and it's beautiful and you've done such a great job. And thank you for blazing the trail and for being a pioneer for so many women and for just doing the work that you're doing. You are such a light. I love that you have a very holistic approach. You know, it's not just about what you eat. You know, we've got to take a holistic approach. So thank you so much for being here and for the work that you're doing. It's been an absolute pleasure to connect with you. Melissa, it was so wonderful talking with you. And the same and the same with you is that you are an inspiration to so many women out there leading the way. I've been following you for some time. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored and grateful. Thank you. Wow, I got so much out of today's episode. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can help support and inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that Dana and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 125. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. 
Another thing I wanted to remind you guys about was that if you haven't got my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex, all you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And whilst you're there, you will also get access to my free open wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you. It's free and it's all yours. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. And before I go beautiful, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you have got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.